Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send him! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. My name is Graham and joining me as always, it's uh, he's got his arse out for socials again. It's uh, Valtteri Bottas, I mean Luke Combs. <laughs> Valtteri Bottas, you mean? Bottas. Bottas, sorry. Bottas? Bottas, I think is a good one. That, that's the one. That's the one. I've seen it on the, the Instagram comments. <laughs> How are we doing? Uh, not too shabby. Uh, yourself? I, I'm I'm melting, to say the least. To say I've just come back from thunderstorms to 28 degree heat, it's, it's great. Yeah, I was chatting to a friend earlier, and she was saying it was literally like it was like she she lives in the north uh, of the of the UK, and it was literally like storm and sun and hot, and it sounded like yeah, it sounded interesting to say the least. Yeah. It's, it's a complete mix up. So at least this week coming up, it's going to be like 20 degrees, which is like my perfect temperature. You can actually still move about and not die halfway through work. Yeah, the ideal, I think, is a 20, 20 degrees with a nice, with a, with a chill little breeze. Yeah, nice sea breeze. That'll do me lovely. Are you close to the sea? I don't think you are. No, I'm literally a slap bang in the middle. I'm like the furthest you could be from all <laughs> sides. So just a, just a breeze then in your case. Yeah, or me fine. One of the two. Yeah, well, I mean, how powerful does that get? I mean, it depends if our beans are not grown. Maybe uh, on, on uh, cheesy beans on toast? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is one of my go tos, actually. Uh, <laughs> is this. I, I do enjoy beans on toast when I've been a at work and in no, the no, a cheesy, stuff. A cheesy beans. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, you, you do cheese on toast and then you chuck beans on top. That's great. See, I don't know. See, we've slagged a friend of ours for having cheesy beans, uh, but have we? Yeah. Who? Dan. Oh, him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I can't remember this. Maybe this one. Maybe this one blew out your tire. I feel like maybe this is. Just... Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have uh, didn't have Pete Bollington telling you that your tire is uh, we're about to go. Yeah. Actually, that hasn't helped. Actually, it's actually, now that I think about it, sometimes that actually hasn't helped. Be bonded on the case, and it's still, still gone. Uh, I was, I was doing a Lewis from uh, Silverstone in 2020, mm. driving around on three wheels. I don't think he had to pay it, uh, a lot of money for the uh, repairs, though. No, not 200 pound. No, no. And, and no, I'm not been given a Michelin, which is understeerious fuck. Yeah. Which is not what you expect from a top of the line type. I know you expect of a, of a Pirelli man, especially at Silverstone. But uh, yeah, a Michelin—that's that's disappointing, man. Honestly, like they, they get raved about for being like the best tires for the road, for a road car, Michelin Pilot Sports, and it's a bag of shit. <laughs> Hate it. My Continental's way better. Uh, oh dear. So yeah, your favorite kind of tire talk. I I take it. Yeah, Continental make a bid for the. F1, why not? Yes, we'll have more yeah. on that later. Sorry to uh, ruin the the, uh, the surprise that we're going to be talking tyres later. <laughs> but we're not going to be talking bad things for Pirelli, I think, no? Well, technically, um, yes. But... Yes and no. Yes and no. But we're going to start off this week with some... Uh, it's been a very pretty quiet, I would say, quiet week in F1 as uh, we gear up for the uh, the doubleheader of 
Austrian Silverstone, but I would say there has been some driver news, I would say. First of all, nothing on the current F1 grid, but of the grid that's to be, but not to be in the same vein. Uh, Audi announced during the week that they made its first hiring, uh, first driver hiring for 2026, but this is not for their works team. It is for the simulator and development of their power unit. They've signed Neil Yanni for that job so it's the first it's, it's the first throwback yeah you say it's a throwback it's a hell of a throwback we'll just go quickly on neil yanni he's obviously he's a he's swiss i am uh, pretty sure he's swiss and his history includes test driver tor rosso uh, you may know him well i know i first knew of him uh you're gonna guess it for uh his participation in a1 with the with the switzerland team uh champion Oof. 2008 I will say as well. Yeah, this is this is a great rep. Yeah, but I, more notably and more recently, he has of course tasted success in endurance. He won the Le Mans in twenty sixteen with Porsche, and he is he's also the um, he's also champion of the FIA World Endurance Championship from twenty sixteen of the same year. Uh, he won, but he won the endurance of that year in twenty sixteen. He won the endurance at Silverstone. He finished second at Spa. And then first at Le Mans. Those are the first three rounds of the Endurance Championship. Didn't even get back to the podium after that and still won the title. Love it. Uh, he, he had four... He had a real, he had a real Matt, Matt on his hands. Our friend Matt. Four P4s. <laughs> a P5 Mr. and a P6. P4. Yeah. So on his way to the uh, the title with Porsche. So that that's more so where the more uh, repeatable end of things comes from. But look, I think it's a good signing just for development and simulator driver. Uh, you know, he's not going to be, you know, how old is he? He's his 30s, I think. Is I, I think Yeah, 36. he's not going to cost a lot, is he? Oh, to geez, uh, oh, a key round. Yeah, 39 actually he's older than I thought, but look, it's, it's I think it's a sound it's a sound hire uh, for for your for your ends and that it's he gets you know gets his foot in back in an F one. I'm surprised Anthony Davidson's not been signed up. Yeah, well, <laughs> or Paul DeRefs or something like that. Yeah, we were a little surprised at that, but any like nothing. This is not major news, but it's it's nowhere it's not major news. But it's... it's Audi's first, I guess, you know, <laughs> uh, hiring of of a of a driver in in this regard ahead of their 2026 return or rather entry. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense with him being Swiss as well, obviously with the Sauber base being in, in Switzerland, so he can sort of uh, mm. merge in, I guess, a lot easier. Yeah, so I, I, I thought that was an interesting lineup, and he's been the he, like he's a, he was a, oh gosh words. I think he finished second in the LMP two, uh, not in in Le Mans just gone. So yeah, he's still competing competitively. So uh, I think the it's last just, ever LMP two, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So. There you go. Uh, it's not the only Watch bit of driving news. Yeah, Valtteri Bottas. Imagine that, to, uh... getting replaced mid-season by Neil Johnny. My goodness, <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would, that would be the worst driver swap of all time. And Bottas is... is I, we, don't, we don't rate Bottas that much no. anymore on this podcast, but Neil Johnny coming in is a bit of a statement. <laughs> what do, uh, Just random, just t- tangent off the top of your head, what do you think is the worst mid-season driver replacement that you can think of? In F one. Ooh. Oh, easy, Luca Luca Badur. Easy. For Felipe <laughs> Technic- Massa. Technically, yes. He was terrible. Terrible. And I mean terrible. He was in for what? Belgium and I, Hungary. I can distinct, no, I'm distinctively Hungary. distinctively remembering watching him in Belgium. Uh, uh, Valencia, sorry. And then being like seventeenth. It was 
fucking abysmal. The Belgian one was like hard as well because like his teammate obviously won the Ferrari's only race of the year, and then he was pedaling around, I think, a few laps down. Uh, I'm actually going to suggest his replacement didn't actually do it all better, which is Giancarlo Fisichella. Which uh, then there was a lot of hype behind Fisichella at the time. Yeah, well, just he just finished the second. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course, in your days. But at the end of the day, he's Italian. Of course, he's always going to take the uh, Ferrari seat if it comes calling, aren't you? Well, to be fair, that was a good career move because I, th- I think he still represents them in some capacity and he certainly did for quite a number of years after after that little stint. Yeah, but it ended in that one career. Yeah, what a, yeah, it basically did. What, I don't think he did much of anything after that, but he was already kind of declining a little bit. Uh, but... Oh, yeah, it was just um, a, it was a short-term gain for a long-term gain. If you know what I mean, it was a short-term loss, sorry, for a long-term game in terms of uh, being probably basically a Ferrari ambassador at this point, mm. and going into the GT, which I think he did. And like, it was a means to an end for them as well, because like, obviously like, it was just to get to the end of a pretty tarred 9 season, and they knew Alonso was coming the next year. So, yeah. And then Massa came back, and wasn't quite the same yeah. driver himself anyway. Uh, but no. it, well, it was a sad, sad end to that tangent. I actually can't think of what... Uh, I can't think of the top of my head what was a terrible... Uh, like like a terrible mid-season replacement. Certainly not recently. Um, um, Daniel Kvyat uh, replacing Max Verstappen at Toro Rosso. <laughs> technically, well, technically, I mean that wasn't awful. It's just Verstappen was obviously a, bit, a little bit higher rated. Yeah, compared to uh, what was going in. Um, yeah, there, there isn't many recently. Obviously, I was going to say, generally speaking, the idea of a replacement is that you do a better job with the person that comes that you're replacing. So. Yeah, obviously you got the the album for Gasly and all that lot. That Science wasn't really an upgrade. Or Palmer, that's a big one. Yeah, I'd say that was an upgrade. Definitely. <laughs> well, considering Carlos Sainz now raises that Ferrari and Julian Power never contested an F one Grand Prix again. <laughs> yeah, the weekly edition of who? Who's that second yeah. driver for a Ferrari? Mister Cheetah is what I'm going to call him from now on. Cheetah. Cheetah, as in cheating on his partner. Oh, <laughs> yes, brilliant! Yes, he's, he's, he's gone down, and uh, thanks for filling my TikTok with uh, the smooth operator song. That's now been, <laughs> it's now all over TikTok, and my girlfriend can't understand why it's all over TikTok. And I explained it to her, and she still doesn't understand it. <laughs> I said to her, "But he's a smooth operator." That's all, that's all that needs to be said. Exactly, exactly, uh, Graham. You got it. Yeah, see, I get Someone it. Someone understands. Yeah, see. Uh, the other, the, speaking of the uh, linking in the Audi to the uh, other bit of driver news, is that uh, there's an article on the race during the week from Ed Straw. It's basically about Toto Wolf talking about Mick Schumacher, Ooh. and we've talked a little bit about Mick Schumacher's kind of options at this stage and how he can, how he's more likely to get back onto the grid. Uh, the one, that, the one that makes sense. I would say would be the Alfa Romeo slash Audi link if that's something they want to do. Yes, as an obvious like German, he's the only German driver they could really get right now, unless the ones are going to get Pascal Verlon out of Formula E. Really, if you know, what I mean, they're like the only two. Might... Well, they're the ones I could think of anyway that are German that are doing semi decently, even though Mick's not really doing anything. Yeah. That that would literally be it. Like if if they like it's it's strongly to hinges on if Alpha or Audi want a German driver. But I'll just read a little excerpt from this piece uh, from Ed Straw, uh, and he says further down the grid, the only teams that appear to have possibility of a vacancy for the next year are Alpha Romeo, Williams, and Haas. The latter can be dismissed given the way its relationship with Schumacher has ended last year, but the other two at least offer a chance. 
Valtteri Bottas is under contract with Sauber for another for next year, but Guan Yu Zhou isn't as yet. Given his form, he is well placed to stay on. But with the team gradually evolving into Audi's works team over the coming years, there is a desire for a German driver that could help strengthen Schumacher's case. Yeah, I guess it's the phrasing that uh, there is a desire, so suggesting that. Yeah. You know, so that that's the one thing on Schumacher's side is literally his nationality, and he's got age on. Like that's the one, if that's the one thing he has over Verlaine, of 24? course, recency and his age. Yeah, he's twenty-four. Two years younger than me. That's bizarre. <laughs> so that's the path in the Williams angle. Uh, Ed Strawrikes. Uh, Williams seems unlikely to drop Sargent during the season, despite what some some of the more wild reports suggest. Although Schumacher could be a contender for that drive next year. Sargent has shown flashes of genuine pace during the season so far, but struggled to put together a complete race weekend. Yeah. I have seen a lot on Twitter about Mick coming in for Logan at, the end to at least mid-season, which I think is unfair, considering I, I would like to see what Logan does with the upgrade package. And mm-hmm. then if it's still the same, then maybe like, yeah, he's come up a bit too quick. I think... The, the, it was mentioned last year it was going to be either a sink or swim year and it, it, he's basically stinging at the minute because it's just too much he's it's, it's, it's just not at quite at that level yet to be where he needs to be I think he'd be great in IndyCar I don't think he's quite cut it out for Formula 1 personally as much as I, I do like what he's done with his career in terms of coming back after being mm-hmm. basically kicked out of everything and sort of the underdog and Sharu's in F3 and then sort of out of the blue really in F2. Really didn't rate, rate him that much, to be honest. Didn't like him. And then he sort of won me around a little bit and spun me around. But even then, I don't think it's really that much of an upgrade if you put Mick in there, to be honest. I think they, it's, it's either it, you stick with what you got and you hope it pays off or you sort of bring someone in and then they've got to get used to it, the whole system and set up and basically do exactly the same. It's, it's a tough call. Yeah, my viewpoint on it would be that I'd imagine they'll give him to the end of the season. Because they, they've talked about, they've they've talked encouragingly about some of the stuff that Sargent has done, and they've publicly given him support. And I think they will stick it out for the season, give him that at least. Uh, there is, I still think that there's, I still think the only path I think he has to lose that see if he does terribly from now till the end of the season. If he keeps crashing. And just is nowhere near the deficit that I think they would allow for him being within a range of Albon, if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, Max and Perez has a deficit allowance to Max, and I'm I'm guessing he has to be within a certain range for it to be feasible and understandable. So if he's not within that, and like I say, keeps crashing and what have you, then I think there's a, there's talks that need to be had. Yeah, but I'm not willing to write him off less than ten races into his Formula One career. No, but. There is a lot of avenues opening up there because I, it, it, I'll circle back to the Alfa Romeo bit for now. Right now, um, if I'm Alfa Romeo and Alfa Romeo Sauber and Audi, I personally keep both drivers on, and then whichever one does better in the third year stays on for yeah. the fourth, and the other one gets booted out, and then a new driver comes in. And for me, it's a superstar driver, not a German driver. Personally, I think that's the year where they can snap up. There's quite a few people out of contract. Right. A lot more people opened up. Mm. Like, I think it's better to stick. You think at the end of 24, you think it, like, without without extensions at the moment, we know know it's Sainz, Perez, 
uh, Leclerc, Hamilton. obviously. Hamilton, we'll see how long he pens for. Uh, I think, did I see Russell somewhere weirdly for the end of 24 as well? Not that I, yeah, not that I, I, I expect him is. to change, but um, Russell. Just, a lot of drivers open up at the end of 24. At least half the grid. You know? At least half the grid. So, and then obviously you've got any driver that's sort of coming through, you can sort of have a look at and what have you. But if I'm Williams, I'm keeping very keen eyes on the Guan Yu Zhou situation. Very keen. Even the Bottas situation, to be fair. If you can steal Bottas for a year, whilst you're getting, while James Valls is getting that team up and running, obviously he knows him from his time at Mercedes, I think that would be an absolute steal, mm. personally. I don't think he'd do much for the teams in terms of actually getting them points and stuff, but in terms of his knowledge and driving the team forward in terms of development, I think he'd be an absolute masterclass stroke in that sense, mm. on a short-term basis anyway. Yeah, I think Williams are in the best mm. spot of, of everyone in, in this sense yeah. that it's, you know, it, like we said, like I remember saying this last year, like it was a, you know, what, what have you got to lose really, you know, by sticking Sargent in? If he works out, he works out. If not, then you've got a, a raft of drivers that you can really select from, be it young or experience that just want to stay on the grid so i think they're in the good yeah. spot regardless they either win out no. with sergeant or they get a, and if they don't and if it doesn't work out then they can just bring on a more experienced driver and they've got a solid lineup there yeah and on top of that they're gonna have teams coming out the door knocking saying can we put our driver in there please sure. like who, who've we got you've got the possibility of lawson iwasa um bearman doing vesti um, if you want to really bring in the yeah vesti Schumacher, of course. Yeah, Schumacher. There's six drivers straight away. Definitely. And they're the ones that are probably the most likely to move this year, if anything. And let's chuck Victor Martins in it in case he decides to have like a, a ridiculous end to the season and wins the F2 title because he's the only other one that I can really see doing anything. Oh, and Teo. Of course, Teo. Yeah, isn't it weird? Like the the driver pool for the remember before Gasly was uh, announced at Alpine, the the pool for Alpine was so weak. But for a team like Williams here, it's so strong in comparison. Mm, yeah, it is. Just funny how it works. I think you're bang on with the Alfa Romeo thing. I think they'd be best started keeping that line on for a third year, and then at the end of that year, the better of the two stays on. Which I think will be Joe. Personally, yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do. They're swinging that way at the minute, anyway. Unless they want Even to, though... like, unless they want to lock Schumacher in early, would be my only, the only thing against Joe is that they want to get Mick locked in early before perhaps a Williams can snap him away. Yeah, yeah, but even then, I'd chuck Bottas down the road, personally. Yeah, so would I. Joe, Joe, Joe is the one for the longevity of the team. Yeah, he would regardless be a good number two, no matter who else you bring in. Yeah. I'm not ready to give up a sergeant just yet. Uh, no, me either. The, the jump is obviously Steve. We've seen, like, heck, we're seeing in year three the difference that Sonoda is, is, is you know, is, is we're seeing in him compared to year yeah. three. So, and we've seen the flaw that he's having to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> so please bear in mind he's uh, we also having saw, to drive one of the most basic cars on the grid. Yeah. We also, yeah. And look, Sonoda made a lot of mistakes year one. I don't think Sargent's gained three years to make that right, but. No, definitely not. Not Williams, anyway. No. But I think, look, not I, when he. I think sorry. I think he's, I was gonna say. I think he's in a good. He's fine. I think he's fine. It's he just he'll get he, better. He's fine regardless. He if it doesn't work out in F one, it will end up in IndyCar. I think so. No, that's the way it will end up. Yeah, He'll, he will do what New Garden did, but he actually ended up in F one. You know what I mean? Mm. Right, he ended up there first. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But like, it's an interesting, uh, interesting little little uh, little. 
little conversation we had, same as this other little piece that came out on F1.com on Sunday regarding Daniel Ricciardo. Now, we know Ricciardo, it seems like the, the general consensus needs to be the sum himself. He wants to get back on the grid, but isn't going to, he's not desperate to get back on. Mm. Or is he? <laughs> because he is. Uh, because sources, according to Lawrence Barretta, sources say a race seat at AlphaTauri next season is a genuine option for him, with both the Red Bull family and Ricardo open to the move. And that last part's critical. It's Ricardo that being being open to it is the uh, is the key piece that has seemed to have changed in the last little bit. So, and um, yeah, genuine thoughts on the prospects of Ricardo rejo- rejoining the rebranded Toro Rosso outfit in 2024 not a fan and not going to happen no I just I, I don't see how this benefits Ricardo personally uh, he obviously he's thinking long term well, I can get back in the Red Bull if Perez keeps cocking up right that's, that has to be the hope is that he smashes it in the Toro Rosso and combined with Perez not having the best of seasons in 2024 is the uh, off maybe off of a back of a tough 23 here possibly that's that's yeah that is the hope because he's talked Ricardo has talked about if he had a, the fairy tale end it was to is to end a Red Bull yeah I don't see him getting that person though I, I think he's just it's too, it's too much and if he's going to AlphaTauri I know he's a C on the grid but come on he might as well have gone to Haas last year you know what I mean you would have done you basically sour and waste of the year. I know you got yourself back in the Red Bull family, I guess, but I don't personally see him ending up back in the Red Bull. Not a chance. But especially when you've got drivers coming through in the Red Bull program that have more potential right now than Ricardo's current um, performance line, shall we say? Mm. I think I think Lawson is someone that they need to sort of put against Ricardo. Which is a shame because Yuki would have to be moved on. But yeah, that's the thing. That's that's the thing I would I would say about this. I think it's a, it would be a lot more likely if both seats were going to be available. Yeah. So you could stick Ricardo in one, and then Lawson in the other, and then you have you have two things going on. You can measure Lawson against Ricardo, and whatever version of Ricardo that is, uh, or then you can see you can gauge then how Ricardo is looking, and then weigh that versus Perez, etc. And you can do a lot with the ones there, but. Obviously, it yeah. seems unlikely that Yuki's going anywhere, unless the only thing I could think of that possibly opens this up is if somehow Lawrence Stroll decides to go ahead and get Yuki in the Aston Martin, which, even if you want to argue that could happen, it's too early for that to happen. Yeah, it's a year too early, at least. So Way well, too early. And that's never going to happen. So Yeah, but... Um, he's like so Ricardo is competing against Lawson and Andy Wasser. It's just it's just it's how Red Bull feel about feel about the prospect of uh, of that. And if they think if they if they view that Alfatari seat as maybe someone that could replace Perez, depending on what like again, they're they should be players in the twenty five driver market with, you know, Norris coming up soon, uh, the year uh, that year in twenty five, obviously Perez at the end of twenty four. Science could be available if they want to do that, maybe, or obviously Charlie yeah. Leclerc if they don't come to an extension agreement there. So you know, Red Bull should be shopping around for some other established talent because you have to. Because I do think by the time you get to twenty five, you do have to genuinely plan in your next midterm five year plan that you may not have Verstappen come twenty twenty nine. Yeah, his deal gone at the end of twenty eight, and he's said for a while that he's done. 
after at the end of this current Red Bull contract, unless he's winning. Yeah, well, he's he's actually he's recently talked about it being too like he wouldn't be here if it was kept going like this. Like, it'd be too it'd be too boring for him. Yeah, which is understandable because he's literally just driving around in a circle on his own, which is fine because you're driving in the fastest car in the world, but. After what doing it, doing it for five or six years, it does come a bit monotonous, I guess. Yeah, he's got the Not first the one, and stuff. got the second one. He's gained the third one. At this stage, you know, he does want to work for it a little bit more. So yeah, which will, which I, which will come soon, I think. Not this year, but probably the next year. But circling back to the Ricardo thing, obviously mm. this sort of old thing sort of leaves Nick de Vries in the middle of nowhere because he's right. basically done. That's by the sounds of it. That's what my question was you is like, are we? Do we already agree that Nick DeVries is not coming back next year? Uh, I don't think he's coming back post-summer, to be honest. <sighs> yeah, do you know what? It's... Yeah, the, the, the thing is, if they're talking about this now, the thing, the, the, the thing I would be doing is basically, right, DeVries, you've not been good enough. We've got Ricardo. If Lawson wins Super Formula, it's his seat for 24, is what I would say. Ricardo, if you can help us finish eighth in the Constructors' Championship and prove to us that you're back at your at least close to what you was capable of at Red Bull. I know mm. the car's not as good, but be on be on level terms of Yuki at least, who's having an absolutely stellar season, then I think we can have a conversation about you staying on for at least twenty four. It's I th- I think that is something that's worth doing because they basically shorted themselves by not putting Lawson in the car for twenty three, personally. Yeah, I think that's already becoming a regret is not is not doing yeah. that. I get wanting to see, you know, take a flyer in Nick DeVries, but I think we can. Again, we look. I get look. Same, I guess if we want to apply the same logic to Sargent, I you know talk about writing off ten races into their career. Uh, I feel a lot easier. I feel a lot more confident talking about Sargent being able to salvage something that I am Nick DeVries for more than a few yeah, reasons. Yeah, DeVries is in an. To be fair to him, he's in an absolutely toxic environment. Let's be real. That whole Red Bull setup is toxic when it wants to be. Mm-hmm. When you've got Doctor Marco being Doctor Marco, um, it's not the kind of environment where you can flourish if you're not doing very well, as has been proven several times. <laughs> a right. with Yuki, Albon, Gasly, Kvyat—it's it just doesn't work. So you've got to basically come in and smash it straight away, or sort of look into it where you've got nobody really coming up. In the junior program, yeah, to sort of which you can argue is probably why it saved subpar, why it saves Yuki to this point. The fact that no, yeah. that no, no rebel driver bursts through to the scene. Uh, like they probably should have. Who would you have given the flyer to? If you're well, replacing you, Sonoda, I, I think we would have been talking about Hagar if things had gone the way we thought they would do, but they haven't. Yeah. Um, and then I expected a bit more from Vips, to be honest. Obviously, that went shit anyway for yeah. himself. But I, th- really. I thought I thought twenty two was going to be the year that Vips sort of leveled up a bit more, but he didn't. He threatened he to at the start for sure. Yeah, yeah, he did. The pace was there, just no consistency. Barry was Wilson dominant, had. and then obviously yeah. the off the track stuff happened, and that probably derailed it a bit. And then obviously the the really damaging one on track was was the. The crash in Baku are caused by the Hauger pressure, ironically enough. Yeah, and then obviously you've got Lawson just being consistent, podium, podium, podiums, a couple of wins here and there, but never quite just enough just to convince everybody that he was decent enough. But yeah, it is like it is Act Album 2.0 in many ways. Like it was solid but not spectacular. 
Yeah, basically. Um, the Albon's done well for himself in F1. I think Lawson could probably do the same himself. I think yeah, Albon's exactly where field. he needs to be. Like, yeah. uh, no more than than that. He might get there a chance with Albon. Lawson would be good for, for someone like Haas. Yeah, like definitely. Like yeah. Alpine, maybe. Yeah. Well, we'll see what AlphaTauri <laughs> choose to do. The, I think we do have to start preparing for the fact that these next three races before summer break for Nick DeVries are pretty critical. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be weird that he doesn't come back after summer to his own Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, because that's what it would be, wouldn't it? It so. is, yeah. It absolutely is. Uh, so that's four Grand Prix then, isn't it, then, technically, then? Yeah, we've got the the next four races, basically, is it. Mm. If he's not at least within... Well, if he gets a point, I think he's saved. A point will be himself. fine, given the where AlphaTauri are so far this year. Yeah, a point will save himself unless it's a crazy race. Mm-hmm. If in a normal race, I'm talking about where it's he manages to salvage something, where like Yuki has, where he's got some points and what have mm. you. But I don't think he will because I just don't think he's got the capability to do it. I think he's a solid like P15, P16 driver, fine. But I don't think he's just got quite enough to elevate the team up to the next level. Yeah, I think so as well. But one thing Avatar will have going for them is that because they are at last in the constructors by the end of June, they will have the most uh, development time and CFD items that they can work with. Because now, obviously, in, in after the after the race of Canada, being the last one before July, as it is twice a year at this point and at the end of the season, the aerodynamic testing, the ATR periods are set for the, this next half of the year. So now that that's done, Obviously, Red Bull have got no change, but they've got 70% of the limit uh, in, due to their penalty. Mercedes jump up a spot from second to third from the end of last year, so they have 75%. Uh, Aston Martin are the big gainers, or the big losers, you might argue, jumping mm. up four spots from seventh to third. Um, big winners in this in terms of like having more time, Ferrari, certainly, down two, down a fourth. Yep. So they'll have, uh, for, for reference, they'll have 17 uh, CFD items uh, compared to Red Bull's, say, 1,400 and Aston Martin's 1,600. Uh, and they've got the, the wind tunnel hours are 272 to Aston Martin's 256, for reference. Um, nothing really changes. Like, the midfield have all slid down one. So Alpine, McLaren, Alfa Romeo have all slid down, obviously, in with uh, Aston Martin going up. Uh, Haas have no change in eighth. Williams are up one. And Alfa Tari are down one. So minimal gains, really, other than uh, Aston Martin, of course. <laughs> so uh yeah yeah so we'll see what the teams do with that i have to say probably mclaren might be happier if they're in sixth uh i would say williams if their facilities were a little better yeah uh mercedes yeah they could do a little more time ferrari looking nice there with theirs so we'll see what they see what they do with it uh dear uh do 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 right are you ready to talk tires as long as you don't include Pirelli, then yes. I'm, I'm sorry, I've got bad news for you. Uh, we talked about Bridgestone uh, basically no. getting their getting their entry in, essentially. Uh, reporting is that basically it's between Pirelli and Bridgestone. So for reference, Pirelli had to contend with Hankook last time. Yeah. Back in 2020. Uh, it seems weird to remember because, like, did that happen? But, yeah, <laughs> there was some... Apparently it did. Apparently it did, yeah. It didn't seem like it did, but uh, yeah, apparently it did. So... Yeah, so F1 is evaluating between Bridgestone and Pirelli. And there's been, there's been so many, like, I, I, if, does it feel like the, the Pirelli realise the ground is falling around them? Because some of their comments have been very strange. Uh, that's, that doesn't surprise me. Pirelli makes make strange comments all the time. 
because there's the there's the to and fro at the moment with the the tire blankets. George Russell's talking about the Canadian Grand Prix, basically how it's going to cause more accidents. Then Pirelli came back and basically said that drivers are going to have to change their driving style to adapt. No, that's silly. Which is a weird thing to come back with. Yeah, it's just basically saying it's not you, it's not us, it's you. <laughs> yeah, it's childish. That's exactly that's exactly what they said. And then you had this weird quote from Mario Isola uh, from the Canadian Grand Prix weekend. I'm reading from Motorsport.com and Adam Cooper, where the headline is Pirelli mystified as F1 teams reject chance to race blanket-free inters. And so Isla said, usually we have some races uh, we have some races with rain, like Suzuka, for example. And it was a good opportunity to test them before the end of the season. The problem is that to test them as an additional prototype is difficult because we should send them everywhere in the world. I was talking to the FIA, offering the intermediate for Singapore, being this year, and they came back in to me saying no. The teams didn't agree. Unfortunately, we had more than two teams against because we needed eight teams in favour. Uh, when asked why, he said, uh, that's a good question, but I don't have an answer, honestly. Um, it's, it's weird. It's. I think I, I just think the teams are done. The, 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 compl- the constant complaints from the drivers and the teams having to sort of test new tyres all the fucking time because they can't get it right the first time. I know it's they're they're asked a lot of by F1 and what have you, but surely, what what year are we of the Pirelli contract now? Uh, from the start of it. I think 2013 when they came in? 2011 when they came in. This last year was supposed to only end up to go to the end of next year, but because of uh, COVID-19, they was put, I think it was put forward a year. So I think Mm. that's, I think it was from 2020 to 24, and then that ended up going to 25, I think off the top of my head. Um, One team that's in favour is the, um, is our favourite, favourite team in blue. Um, of course they're fucking fake yeah so uh, Isla said say uh, Gallon sort your shit out <laughs> well we'll get to him in a sec uh, Mario Isla said Esteban Ocon was quite happy with the new intermediate step the step is a good step because uh, Alpine did some running last month at Paul Ricard um, and Isla said without blankets they are working well warm up was good we also we tested also in other sessions with different conditions and so on so all these sessions they've been judged positive but sometimes it is what it is and Alan Permain said, uh, sporting director Alan Permain, we were testing intermediates without blankets and they were really, really good. Pirelli had done an outstanding job. We were comparing them to the standard intermediate that was running with a blanket. So that was their comparison. Uh, James Valls, I think, offered a little more, I remember sending this to you, uh, was kind of more in between. Uh, so James Valls said, on the wets, there was some really good evidence that they were working properly. Uh, enough running, enough mixed conditions, although all teams haven't run them in testing. Before we go on the inters, before that decision point, no one other than the teams that had tested the had tested had run the extreme wet tires. Monaco was the first time actually in the race that they were run, and it wasn't perfect. It's a low energy track in some regard, but it wasn't perfect. And the reason why teams would have voted in a cautious manner, I think this is referencing that they didn't get the eight votes that uh, Isla was wanting. Uh, why some teams have voted in a cautious manner is let's get some results on track with the existing product and make sure it definitely doesn't have any ill sides that we haven't concluded from some specific testing. And you'll get that from what happened here in Montreal. Mm. But essentially, I get what he's saying. Like, let's get some results on track with the existing product. Yeah, basically. <laughs> which is uh, yeah, which is hard to do. And then there's the follow-up piece then that came out basically from Adam Cooper and what I can't basically with F1 teams basically set to reject the blanket free slicks for 2024. 
So, um, yay! Should, can we play a game? Uh, yes. Um, there's been a recent trend on Instagram. Um, Lewis Hamilton posts a thirsty picture, and someone gets fired. Just posted a picture a few hours ago. Can we take a guess at who's getting fired this week? Uh, from in Mercedes. In the wild, wide world of Formula One. In the wild, it doesn't of matter. Just someone always seems to get fired this year. Uh, it's we, been in line. Are we talking like a high-ranking member of NF One? We're talking anybody really that's sort of well known. It, it can be, be someone Pirelli, or it can I was be gonna a say, driver. Wouldn't, wouldn't have to be Mario Isla by any chance, would it? <laughs> You're going with Mario Isla. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? I, I, yeah. <laughs> I've never... uh, I'm 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 gonna go for, uh, ooh. So was, was you just are you just asking me who's randomly going to be fired this week? Is that... yeah, I was just on Instagram and I was <laughs> to post a picture. I was like, oh, that reminds me. Oh, that was so random. It was random, but I'm I'm going to go with someone Alpine. Are you, do you I reckon feel... that Alpine made it? Will they be made the scapegoat here? I feel something is going to happen. Someone is going to be cutthroat here. Some, someone is getting fired. Come on. I will riot if it's Alan Permain because I say very little of this is them, his fault. Man has got so many court cases. <laughs> uh, uh, Christian Horner was talking about this, uh, the wood tires. He's like, I think a reserve judgment until we've done a test was how uh, he fa- phrased it. Uh, Daniel is going to drive the car at the test and we'll get the feedback from that running. I'm sure Prey will make the right decision. I don't think it's what the drivers want. <laughs> I know, right? But my fear with these things is that when you're th- you think you're going to achieve something simplistically that would create better racing, that there will be then a whole lot of effort go into trying to heat tires very quickly on outlaps and so on that could drive a lot more cost in. Everybody has tire blankets, they do their job. I think what we should be looking at is in sustainable ways of powering those tire blankets as opposed to removing them. And then James Allison, Mercedes and Greta added, I'd say that the early look at the running without blankets is not exactly a done deal to think that they're going to be a good thing for next year. I'd say there's plenty of challenges to make that work. And then, oh, so this is, this, sorry, this is the James Allison quote I sent you. Val said, my view is a very pragmatic one. Show us a tyre where you take off the blanket and it performs. And it performs whether it's Spa at 5 degrees or whether we're in Bahrain at 40 degrees. And I'll happily sign up for it because I think it's a good step. At the moment, we haven't fully seen a tyre that's capable of doing it. The test will help and give us another bullet, bullet point to it. Reading between the lines, I don't think we're quite there yet, but the direction of travel is good. Yeah. And then Otmar up up said the blankets were, quote, essence of F1. Part of the essence. Don't know. So, yeah. So, yeah, there's weird stuff from Pirelli. I would say they the ground is kind of beginning to fall beneath them. Now, I, I do think, to be fair, and they're, they're they've begun to throw F1 under the bus, basically saying that we've basically made a tyre that F1 have asked us to make. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's it's there's a lot of bullets being flown around, uh, prey trying to not uh, take responsibility for the general shitness that has been their tyre for, I want to say since, t- certainly since... 20, probably 2017. I don't think they ever got the hang of these bigger, wider tyres. No, they didn't. They um, really didn't. That was where it started, didn't it? Like we got back to the one-stop races back in 2017, 
Mm. We saw more places go away from the harder compounds, like we saw like in Spain and Brazil and Japan. Um, as soon as we got up to seven or eight compounds and all different colors, it got to pink, a little, a little bit silly. Yeah, well, you think like even go back, twenty fifteen was the last of the primal option. Twenty sixteen was fine, and we had a functioning wet weather tire that year as well. Yeah, but from really from seventeen onwards, I really yeah those bigger tires I think really didn't did, did do a number. Uh, just have, I don't know whatever it is they just haven't built a product, and then that again I will say that the product has demand for the product has changed somewhat. Um, but drivers have been very unhappy for quite a while, so. Yeah. I say give it to Bridgestone, see what happens. If it's worse, then so be it. But we all, we've been down this Pirelli road for a quiet number of years now. Um, I'm fine with the change. And it, I guess I can say they can only look good. That's not true. They could look even worse if Bridgestone nail it, but they could make us look better by Bridgestone coming in and failing as well. So I yeah. don't know. We'll see. It's, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm all for it, but... There's a different discussion to me. There's a great piece on the race talking about why there is, like a tire war might not be the right thing for F1. I would recommend reading it. It's I think it's from Scott Mitchell-Malm. Um but it goes into some of the dynamics of the, the tire war, possibly now versus then, and it's a very different time for F1. Uh, and just the sole, I think a sole supplier is the way to go. But just have a flipping tire that works, man. Mm. Uh, we've seen some like look at IndyCar. Like, we see some great stuff there. No, in the cost of spawn. They literally got it nailed on. And uh, can you tell me who the supplier is for IndyCar? Firestone. Oh, sorry, it is, yeah. Sorry. Why did I think it was Hankook for a sec? I don't know. I don't, I don't know we, why. We had the Firestone Fast 6. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I, that slipped me. No, oh, it's, it's poor, I know. It's not, it's not you don't even watch it. It's like you watch Formula E for 401 overtakes in one race. Yeah, uh, yeah I was actually going to talk to you about that, but. Uh... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah we'll, we'll segue into this. I, have you seen the race at all from Portland? I have not, but based on what the four hundred and one overtakes and actually being an actual racetrack, I know I that that part it. surprised me. I will say, do you it's know the been a long time. I, I know who wins. Okay, and I know there's an absolute abomination where nobody wants to overtake anybody on the main street on lap twenty two. Oh, it was amazing! Like I, it's, this, is it amazing or is it embarrassing? It's fun. I think it's. it's I, I think I think it's funny, but when you delve deeper into it, it's a little embarrassing. That that's what it's come down to, when Look, nobody wants nobody wants to lead because you could yourself at such a disadvantage. I know, but that's fun. I, I, it's part of the game. I do think it's fun. Um, you've got like four. That, that track was wide as shit. That the track was the widest thing I've seen for a while. Um, it's a, it's an IndyCar track if you haven't realised. It's got like, but like it's it's like four or five, six wide at a time setting down there. It was, which uh, is completely different from Formula E because that is not normal. It's normally two car wide tracks. And that's pushing it. Yeah, it, it, like you said, it was weird to see them around an actual racetrack with, you know, that part was weird. I did enjoy it, though. Like, they, they had decent They, they should do they? that. There uh, predominantly should be street tracks, fair enough. But there should be some races where they're like, right, we're actually going to go to a proper track. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see, for in, Indica, uh, not IndyCar, formally go around, like, Brands Hatch or something like that. That'd be, that'd be fun. That'd be great. I think that would be very good. But, yeah, the race itself was, was fun. Uh, it was... Uh, I oh, said I'm late to watch it. Donington, yeah. I mean, that'd be just then up the could, road for you. Yeah, we could go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want You'd to go fly in stuff? and literally stay there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so look, there's four races left. Uh, Jake Dennis goes back to the top of the standings by one point. I, I'm I'm going to rule out Verline now uh, for this title. 
you think is Cassidy versus Cassidy, Dennis, and Mitch Evans technically is not out of this yet. Yeah. He's 30, uh, 32 points behind with four races left. That's more than enough to uh, to do something with. So what, what have we got? Like we've got the double header in London. Uh, Italy first, so Rome, and then yeah. double header in it, England to end, to London to end. Oh, is it is a double header in Rome as well? Yeah, two double headers to end here. Yeah, cool. So... I think it's gonna be great, uh, but I think I think I'm not reading out Evans yet. Um, the thing the thing for Verline is that his qualifying just has been near good enough. He has one podium in the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine races, which was his race win at Jakarta. By contrast, uh, as we mentioned with Jake Dennis, anytime he scored points, he's had a podium. Yeah, and that includes now five in a row. And mm. Cassidy has won three of the last. four five races sorry a moth appeared and that was frightened the shit out of me uh, Cassie's won three of the last five races and Mitch Evans' results have been good you've got the two race wins uh, a, th- a second a third and two fourths and one DNF then in Jakarta which I think was the race that uh, his teammate ploughed into him oh dear like he'd be a serious he'd be a legitimate title contender if Sandberg hadn't ploughed into him twice yeah oh that's bad. Sandberg was anonymous for 90% of that weekend. It was hilarious. Um, but I'm back in Jake Dennis at this point. I, like, anytime he's been up there, he's... I'm going to custody. Uh, yeah. It's, like, it's, it'll be fun to watch. I think Dennis is in good position here. He's He's been... Over the course of the season, he's been the best of the bunch. And I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm I'm fine with him winning now. This just, I'm fine with either too. Certainly, have, I'm not a huge on Cassidy. I'm not going to lie. No, not really a fan. Uh, of course you're not. No, just, ah, uh, it's, you know. You're not a fan of a Jaguar winning a title. Give him, uh, I'll take Mitch Evans. It's exactly the same. Nah, Evans. It's just a different colour green. <laughs> Evans is better. I'm, I prefer Evans. So that's... Yeah, they've got the same car, Graham. It's the same. It's the same. Well... They're from the same country. It's basically yeah. the same guy. <laughs> Technically the same <laughs> car, yeah. Yeah, same person. Yeah, why not? Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, when's the next race? Uh, oh, a couple, uh, a couple Two weeks. weeks. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, one down there. British Grand Prix. Yay. Yay. Oh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be away that weekend and all. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to be away? You're going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. Will someone say live podcast? Yeah. I mean, it's because you have to see the weekend goes. But yeah, yeah it's good. It's good I, can, you could, I can make a joke and you can hit me for real in the... <laughs> Kick you out the house for real, (laughs) (laughs) and you can hear the sound effect of me me kicking you down the stairs. Yeah, the 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 door closing. (laughs) (laughs) Is that supposed to be getting your wooden steps? Oh, my steps are steep. Really? So steep that my mum was broke three toes falling down two of them. What? Yep. Oh dear. When I was little, yeah. (laughs) That's how steep my steps are. Carpeted or wood? The steps are carpeted, but there is stone at the bottom so if you fall you're fucked <laughs> basically hmm. so if anyone wants to find my stairs on google maps then go for it <laughs> yeah work away work away i have one thing to add here before we preview the uh, austrian grand prix there's a piece on the race this is just fun to talk about i won't spend too long here it's a piece i don't know who it's from this doesn't say but uh talks about how red bull pulled off its most important f1 signing who do you think that is? Adrian Newey. Adrian Newey, yes, indeed. Not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, 
these details are in his book, which I actually own. Um, it's on my shelf. It's How to Build a Car. I would recommend reading it. Uh, Why haven't you built a car then yet? I don't understand. I don't have the horns yet for the MP420. That's it. That's, that's what I, I want. So, you know, I, I, other than that, I just, yeah, just, it's not happening. Uh, but the circumstances of why he left McLaren, uh, she said he went into negotiations with optimism and then Ron Dennis offered him a pay cut for a new deal and then Newey said, basically his words were, take it or leave it. And Newey said, I was taking the back. Yes, on one hand, you might say that with the numbers already so high, I should have been happy either way, but it doesn't really work like that. I'd helped the company towards a period of prosperity and achieved a 50% win rate over the past 10 seasons. And I was being rewarded for my efforts with a pay cut. And Newey said he never understood the offer, but speculated, perhaps it was Ron trying to be clever, thinking I had no alternatives. Maybe he was punishing me for not swearing undying allegiance. So we know Ron Dennis is a uh, pretty pretty cutthroat, but that was a uh, silly low balling Adrian Newey. I guess to be fair, like I can understand perhaps like where else was he supposed to go? Like he wouldn't he wouldn't go to Ferrari at this stage. Um, I assume Williams was returning to Williams was probably out of the question, given that he left in the first place. Where does that leave you, really? Um, no, unless someone you literally one of the big, big someone with big wallets comes in, and that's basically what happened. Which, uh, well, at the time would have been like your only choice within what Renault, Renault or Toyota, essentially. Yeah, there were Jaguar talks. Speaking of money, <laughs> uh, so there was there was that not the not the Red Bull, the Jaguar, and do looking there. So then later on. Uh, basically, the big upshot of what happened, how Red Bull got him, was essentially that uh, Horner and Marco kind of accidentally ran into him during, in the paddock and the such. Uh, but the three main people were, uh, it was basically, well, you can throw in David Kuthan into this mix as well. He was pivotal, uh, I would say, in acquiring Adrian Newey. But, um, do, 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 do. so Christian Horner told uh, Motorsport.com in 2012, they hadn't treated him particularly well. And it didn't seem like there was any magic between him and Ron. So this is when kind of the conversations began in the paddock. And they got Mataschitz on board, basically. And so reading here, it says, both Horner and Newey had said that Mataschitz's first response to this number, uh, and the number being... Uh, Horner admitted he didn't tell Mataschitz in advance what he reckoned it would cost to bring Newey over for McLaren. And when the subject of money came up, Newey simply asked for what he was already being paid by McLaren which Horner admitted to still about 70% higher than I'd warned Dietrich we'd have, we might have to pay. Both Horner and Yui have said that Matic's first response to this number was along the lines of send him home. Yui <laughs> uh, says Matic then called Gerhard Berger for advice. Berger's response was, it depends on the value you put on a second per lap. And that was enough, apparently. And then the deal was done. <laughs> and now look. Mm. Six world titles later. The deal was announced in early November of that, uh, of... I think it was would have been 05 or 06. Yeah. I think it would have been 05. Uh, by which time Newby had been marched off the premises at McLaren as soon as he told Dennis the news. Newby said in his book that one of the big things that appealed to him was a chance to be with the team from almost the beginning. He said, I like unfinished business from a time at Leighton House when the rug was pulled under the team in 1990, just as things were coming together. And yeah. <laughs> this, this probably might be my favorite bit though. Uh, at the Allsport Awards for our car, the MP420 won car of the year. But just very quickly on that, how often do you actually get a situation where the car of the year is not the title-winning car? 
Not very often. That's how incredible that 2005 McLaren was. But I've gone on about that car long enough. So at the Osborne Awards for our car, the MP421 car of the year, I was sitting at the Red Bull table, content to watch as Ron collected the award. Would he mention my name, my contribution in his speech, I wondered. He certainly mentioned me. He told the room how I had left McLaren to join Red Bull because I wanted a quiet, low-pressure job working for a team that would never, ever succeed and how I was doing it all for the money. Seeing beside me, Christian was indignant on my behalf, but myself, I found myself feeling a little more philosophical. I thought... Well, at least I've made the right decision. I thought to myself, dig deep, Adrian, and show them. And boy, he has. Because McLaren have had no titles since 2008. While Ron Dennis was ousted in 2016 in a power struggle. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would say Nui worked that one out well. But I just think that's a fascinating story between the offer and then getting... Newey on board, and then the Autosport dinner, which is, uh, yeah, Sorry. pretty crazy, pretty crazy stuff. Um, that filled about five minutes, which is all my intention to do that was. So anyway, let's preview the uh, sprint weekend. Oh, Yay. shoot. It's, oh, jeez, right. Well, I mean, what was your recollection from the sprint you last year? Shoot. It was good last year. Oh, oh that's shoot. right. We had the Hamilton Haas was- thing last year. Yeah, it was good last year. It was better than the actual fucking race. And evil Bond villain Mick Schumacher, I remember. You could argue yeah. that was probably the beginning of the end of that relationship. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was that was the point. That was the turning point after Monaco. That 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 and that that was it. It was yeah. done after that. So cool. yeah, I guess you're right. So so what qualifying on the Friday then? Uh, what are we saying? Oh yay! I'm off. Yay! Happy days. These these next few races are important for a few reasons because we're going to see how much the field is, if at all, is close up to Red Bull or whether that bird in Max Verstappen's car was uh, how how damaging that was to uh, performance, as much as it was mm. to the bird, of course. So we're gonna. I guess I want to see after all these upgrades. Ferrari, I think I'm bringing something. I think Aston. I don't know if Aston are bringing anything. They're certainly thinking of. I think Silverstone they might be bringing something. Mercedes are probably seeing something for Silverstone as well. Yeah. So keep an eye on that, but. I'm guessing you want to see in these next two races have the gaps actually closed or was it just a case of a bird uh, made things closer than it seemed? Pretty much, yeah. That, that's the main takeaway, isn't it? It's, I think you, obviously Mercedes are still in the ground of understanding of their car. Same with Ferrari. which I think Ferrari, I, I saw a piece that Red Bull had basically said that, thank God Ferrari were out of position in terms of qualifying, because they were apparently faster than the Red Bull on race pace, which I don't believe. Um, well, the pace was quite strong on the on the Friday. Yeah, on the Friday, but then, yeah, on the Sunday, not so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, track position didn't help them either, to be fair. It didn't, to be fair, but even then, like, there wasn't anything where I'd be like, oh, I should be worried about the Ferrari. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, like we, like, we talked about Perez last week struggling. Yeah. Now, car did not help him, of course, but... Yeah, because he started on the hearts. So yeah, I just want to see how close things are, uh, and reassess that Silverstone after that. Because I think, yeah, obviously this this sets the tone for a lot of the rest of the season as well. Yeah. So I'm quietly optimistic that the gap will be a little bit closer from here on out. But that's that is more hope than expectation. It's whether yeah, yeah I do believe in the upgrades that these teams are bringing. Uh, more so Aston and Mercedes, maybe not so much yes, Ferrari. Same. 
hmm. um, who have talked about. I think science has talked about that it's not it's stability may not be the thing that uh, yeah they are uh, expecting, which not great. And of course, this race came after Silverstone last year, did it not? Because if 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 it if it was and this no. was the, so 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 we're just under a year then from their last win. Yeah, the the, the Silverstone was after okay. after Austria last year because yeah I remember. So yeah, we're almost at that point. But this is a year since Charlie Clark's last uh, race victory, which this time last year would have been a. You wouldn't have certainly have thought that, but yeah. So I'm, I don't have much expectation from Ferrari really. I'm just waiting to see how Mercedes perform on this type of track, and yeah. then Aston, but. We think this should quite comfortably favour the Red Bull, certainly on you would qualifying so. pace. Yeah, definitely. So I like I, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be too discouraged if Verstappen takes pole by six, seven tenths, just given the, the DRS effect around this track on, on a on a qualifying lap. I don't think they're basically where they are in qualifying. They won't be as far ahead. I think for the race itself. I just think with the, all yeah, those three it's... zones active, I think it will. They'll probably be a fourth, no, no, fourth. It'll exaggerate the uh, margin somewhat. Yeah. So that's an instant three tenth advantage straight away, if not more. Yeah. So, is there anything else in these top teams that you're looking to see? Would it be Aston or Red Bull or Perez? Yeah, Aston is the one I'm I'm most keen on to see where they actually are. Obviously, Alonso was dealing with the brake issues, and Lance is just being Lance in Canada, so. I want to see that car fully unleashed. Right. I don't think it's going to be a track that suits them, but I just want to see what it can do. Yeah, not just brake stuff, but phantom fuel issues that meant he had to lift and coast for a non-existent reason. Yeah. So, yeah. So you could argue there was more to come from Verstappen's car with the bird. Then argue that same goes for same goes for Alonso in the Aston. So I think their their strength this track I don't think will be more so in their pace. It's I think more so their tires. Yeah. So that could open things up for them. So I think their gains could be there. Whether that's enough to beat Mercedes, we'll see. But I'm excited to see it. I'm ex- excited of the prospect of Alonso ha- holding his own against Russell and Hamilton. That's fun. That, that's, I know Str- we'll see if Stroll is, ends up joining them. There's been moments oh, where, no. like, you look at Bahrain, for example, where Stroll was in a little mix there at the start with the Mercedes. But certainly Alonso and Hamilton and Russell, like, forget the front if you want for Verstappen. I could, there's a lot of fun to be had with those three. Oh, Chuck Paris in the mix as well. Mm. Leclerc always goes well around Austria. Yeah, throwing Charlie Leclerc into the mix as well. And yeah, science has been better so. recently, so I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm... Who? <laughs> oh, dear. So I'm excited to see those uh, guys go at it. Is there anything else from, uh, I guess, there's those those top ones before we move on to some of the other uh, teams in the mix? No, not really. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, Williams. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say Logan because he gets the upgrades this week in Austria that Albon got in Canada. But of course, this should be right in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. 100%. So I'm expecting certainly a Q3 appearance from Albon at the very least. Logan has to get into Q2. I think that has to be the exp- the the goal is to get Logan into Q2. Forget what Albon does. Like, Albon will get into Q3. I don't, I'm not... No, no, I don't even think that. Just be as close to Q2 as physically possible. Would be I would take because that's an, an improvement on based on what he's been getting recently. Don't I don't think adding the pressure of Q two is I think that's too much. I think that'd be a win if you get like the goal and the win. I think is to get into Q two for Sergeant. It, it would be a great achievement, but I don't think it's that. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, I guess that's the, that's a different thing entirely, isn't it? But I think that certainly should be the aim for Sargent. Q3, I think, is pretty looking pretty. I think it can look pretty well for uh, for Albon here. So they should run well, uh, certainly. And McLaren, of course, will be interesting to watch. They're promising, basically. Now, hold on. Let me get this right. It was, it was us. It was Silverstone. Then that turned into Austria and Silverstone. And I now I think that's over the next three races. They're bringing uh, new parts, which they yeah. say um, they're changing almost every single aerodynamic part. Is what they said. Every single aerodynamic part. Don't understand how that was possible in a budget gap era, but sure. Yeah. So Andrea Stella said from on the arena from multiple.com and uh, Matt Q. Uh, Andrea said, most of the upgrades you will see over the course of the following events, there will be a major overhaul of the car that will be delivered across Austria, UK, and Hungary. So, uh, but I would say, he said, I would say pretty much every aerodynamic part will change. That's why the upgrades will be spread over the course of a few races. It will, it will be decently noticeable. We have to redesign even some parts of the body, under the bodywork. That's also why it took some time for the to be in condition to deliver these upgrades. I would say pretty much the entire car. So, they're banking on a lot with this. This, this is make or break for their season. If these don't work, then they may as well. They may as well. The weird. It's weird to think like in like what basketball terms would be to tank in a sense. Like to finish. If these upgrades don't work, their best interest is to finish as low as possible in the mm. standings to get as much ATR time to start twenty twenty four, where you've got the likes of David Sanchez. And uh, is Marshall coming off at 24 as well? Or Yeah, he is. So it's really lots of part of 24. Right. So but you've got other other you know other other uh other hires coming into the mix as Four well. Four million other personnel. Yeah. So this is like McLaren's you know, by the by the time we get what to Belgium before the summer break is when I guess we'll find out a little bit more about that car. Belgium and Singapore, probably, you might argue, are the two races, because Monza will be similar to Singapore and... Or, sorry, Zanvor, of course, sorry. Zanvor and Belgium. If McLaren aren't competitive by then, then I would say their season, for the most part, is probably a write-off. Yeah. If this isn't already, so we'll see. So that begins. Uh, so we'll see. I'm going to see how Piastri back, bounces back after what he called his first crash in basically five years. Yeah, which I, it was. I assume he means first crash that was his fault in five years, yeah, rather yeah, than being yeah. crashed. I seem to remember Roy Nassani crashing into him, I think, in Abu Dhabi. It was, yes, you're right. So, yeah, so I think that's what he meant more. So, uh, elsewhere, uh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm interested for Alpine to see. I was disappointed with their performance in Canada, and. <sighs> I wouldn't say these two tracks are too dissimilar. There's a few longer corners around here, than, so less slow speed than Canada, but maybe that'll yeah. help them. Maybe. Maybe, I guess, so we'll see. Um, I, I Actually, on a serious note for them, Gasly could do with a really strong weekend here. Not happening. So, <laughs> yeah, he's not... It hasn't been... I don't think he's gone well at this event in the past. Don't think so. I remember famously he got lapped when Verstappen won the race in uh, 2019. He did, yeah. I so remember that, was, that. That was good fun. But like he could do with a really good weekend because Ocon has had the, the edge on them these last few races, obviously going back to that podium and kind of was an utter disaster for uh, for Gasly. But knowing his look, I reckon he'll end up behind Albon once again. And mm -hmm. not for the first time this season. 
So that'll be yeah. fun. What else? Uh, I mean, obviously, Nick DeVries, as we talked about. Of course. Uh, countdown, yeah, you could probably say is on for him. So he needs a good one. He needs a good one. And in a hurry, uh, I guess, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious where that Alfatari package lies in general. I just have a more interest in that team than I do the likes of Alfa Romeo or Haas. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add on the, uh, the either sprint or the race itself, because this is this is one of the most one of the most well I had it as my most entertaining race last year. Yeah, it, it was good last year. It I was, liked it. It was in my top three. Yeah, it was very good last year. So I have I have hopes, and so I hope it will be like that again. We'll see if they pray decide to mess with the tires, like or keep the same as last year. Here's the hardest three compounds, but we've never used these three compounds before. So this is the very, very, very hard and the very, very harder. Oh, the, the, the C0, is it? I was taking the piss and I'm saying they're going to bring in three new compounds entirely and this must be the hardest tire they've ever used. And you could do the full race weekend, all three practice sessions, the sprint and the race on it and qualify. Well, the hard will go from lap one to the end. That, that, much, was a, <laughs> that much was a given, right? Yeah. So I look forward to seeing who does that strategy um, after lap one. That'll be fun. So... I'm hopeful, man. This was a good race last year. Uh, we may not get the fight at the front like last year, but there's plenty of action in the pack. We had a five-car scrap last year, which was good fun. The likes of which everyone hasn't seen for quite a while. Probably since 2012 mm. or something like that. Yeah. So, fingers crossed for a good weekend. These next two races, I think, have some hope to be more entertaining than some of the ones I've gone before. Yeah. Any last thoughts on the Austrian Grand Prix as a preview? No poire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess maybe just to spice this up a little bit then. What's your favourite Austrian Grand Prix memory? Um. Jesus, a few actually. The five call battle from last year was is well there for mm-hmm. sure. I do. I did enjoy that battle. Obviously, you've got the clerk and Verstappen. The whole build up to the the battle and then it becoming quite. Um, Violent, shall we say? To back in twenty nineteen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you got twenty twenty with a clerk over the top of that, which is great for me personally. <laughs> really sort of that season. Um, then of course you've got Vettel absolutely schooling Hamilton in uh, twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, I believe, by forcing him out wide on the run up to turn three, and basically, yeah. Oh, I think I was eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, you know which one I mean. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got Rosberg and Hamilton incident in oh, 2016, wow. Classic. I Last believe. Lap, yeah. yeah, of course. Then you've got the entire uh, Michael and Barrichello shenanigans at Austria. They always, yeah, plenty of them. Just at least two of them. Yeah, <laughs> back to back years, I think. Yikes. Uh, those I are good ones. It. And then Coulthard's doing something, I believe. Oh, yeah, he took out Hackenden at, uh, yeah, up to turn two at the time. Yeah, tag, yeah. His, tag his own teammate around. And then didn't even win the race. I think Eddie Irvine won that race. Oh, uh, poor oh, DC, I'm sure Rondez gave him a bit of a bollock afterwards. I mean, what was there to say? Like, he, you hear them. Like, those are, that was one of the more successful uh, V10 partnerships, uh, you know, or teammate partnerships. They were very good, Coulthard and Hackenden, so... Just a flash in the pan, really. A drop in the yeah. bucket. Uh, some of mine include, yeah, 2016 is a great one. Uh, the 2018 Austrian Grand Prix was a great... Because remember Mercedes didn't do well in the heat there. 
and they were completely basically anonymous for that race good it was a great reminder that f1 was so and you had verstappen and the such uh, fine fending off two ferraris on the day it was a great reminder that f1 was so much more than mercedes i just remember that vividly from the time it was i think 90 may have been a good example of this as well it was just so much more than mercedes and because that was all we had to deal with for like the the, the hybrid point up until that you know up still going on from that point as well but it was just a nice break there was like with a Ferrari and a Red Bull in the mix, and they're scrapping the way, and it was just nice to see a race that wasn't had a, Mercedes were completely irrelevant. It was, and it was, yeah, and they were fantastic, anyway. and they were good races too. So I remember that mm. was always a win. Uh, I remember an almighty accident. I think Fisichella ended up absolutely ripping through was it Sato or Heidfeld up at turn at the old turn two. Um, but the Rosberg one, I think, yeah, is Rosberg happens in twenty sixteen was a was a, a classic one. That was a that was fun. I think Rosberg got himself a penalty for that in the end. Still finish, still finish fourth. Uh, weird. That was a weird one because like qualifying, I think like Button was second in McLaren Honda. It was like a weird. Like, like Hulkenberg was second. Like it was a very second or third. It was a very weird West kind of qualifying thing that went mm. on. That we had a spicy little, spicy little grid. And you had the Vettel tire blowout on the main straight as well for good measure. Uh, Massa yeah, getting pole in 2014 was a big one as well. Of course. That was a good one. But yeah, those are some of our, some of our favourite Austrian Grand Prix memories. We'll see if any are... Uh, to be fair, I do, I do enjoy last year's race, as you mentioned, but like not just for the five-car scrap and the overtaking, but Leclerc had to overtake Verstappen, I think, three times on track to win that race. He did. And he had that weird uh, throttle. There was a throttle issue, wasn't there, where he was like, it was like 20% on, mm. even when it was off. So it was no money straightforward, but... Yeah, that was a. That's what I. I did really enjoy that because to overtake Max Verstappen on three occasions to win a race, you don't always get out of those situations in one piece. Nor can you no. catch Verstappen. I remember in particular there's a one beautiful move where he caught again the very rare instance of catching catching Verstappen napping down into uh, turn turn four. Well, my favorite overtakes from last season. Anyway, it was, one it was a good one. Anyway, uh, let's get into predictions then, shall we, for this one? Do you right, care to do a sprint? Different this year. Oh, yes. let's do it. I'm going this year, this weekend. Uh-huh. I'm going to say the top three for the sprint, and then the the normal for the race. Top three for sprint. Uh, to do only because qualifying he'll dominate. I think it will be for Stappen yeah, for the sprint. Agree. Uh now give me Lewis Hamilton P two. Yeah, I had Lewis and Peter as well. And I'll bounce. I'll I'll, I'll uh, back check up Perez for a little bit more of a bounce back for P three. Yeah, that's literally who I had. Okay, okay, that's what I've got. And then for the race, uh, I will say, uh, do I want to predict the Verstappen engine failure here? Hmm. No, because that's going to send Holland into rapture when it comes <laughs> back after the summer break. All right, all right, David Croft. Uh, okay then I'll go Verstappen Alonso uh, Perez Hamilton Russell Leclerc side stroll great <laughs> I'm going different something's happening ah. Alonso Leclerc Max Lewis Sides, Perez, Stroll. Ooh. 
So I'm guessing something happens. Does the accident involve Perez then, or? I'm guessing someone it's either overheating issues and Max just doesn't have the pace because the car doesn't isn't quite there or something like that. Something stops him. He's in the lead and then something drops him back, and then Perez just doesn't isn't on the pace, hmm. or the stomach gets caught. He gets caught out somewhere. See if the car was something like that. Okay. We'll just see how it goes. We'll see if we can get a non-Red Bull Number winner. 33 is coming. Number 33 is coming. Yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah, it's got it, man. It has to soon. One, it, it just, it's so hard to be as consistent as that for a whole season. He's going to destroy them, Graham, so. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. I do believe that we'll get someone... I guess a quick prediction. Do you think we'll get a non-Red... I know you just predicted it, but I guess for this series... Do you think we'll get a non-Red Bull winner before the summer break? Yes. Okay. Actually, yeah. yeah. I actually... I, so yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. Next week, I am I am literally going to predict a Hamilton victory at Silverstone, and I I will not be unrealistic. Now, they'll spin the PR to machine to bits when they do it, but that is going to be one of their, if not their strongest race track of the season, especially if they're promising upgrades there as well. So yeah. yeah, I'm going into hiding that week. <laughs> You're like, you best fucking not be. You must be picking me up. Yeah, ah, it's, it's only been what a couple of minutes to the a walk. I'll be all right. I'll hit a your, walk. I hit your. I'll hit your ride. A good twenty minutes. It's a good two day walk. <laughs> two day walk. Yeah, it's quite far. It's like fifteen miles. Oh, I guess you could walk that in a day. Easily, I've. I could run that. I could run half that in less than an hour. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> oh dear! I know you've you've been on the road for a long time today, so I, I feel have. like you're. My uh... perception of roads is not 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 with me today. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We're looking for you. We'll uh, I think we'll wrap it up there because uh, there's nothing else to need to add to this. So, a quiet edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast this week. So, fingers crossed for Austria. Hopefully, it'll be an entertaining spectacle. Do we even decline this week? Seconds. Yes, we do. Excellent. Where are we at this week? Mid-Ohio. Oval? No. Mid-Ohio. I've got an oval. I don't believe it's an oval. They've been posting videos of it on social media. It doesn't look like an oval. Mid-Ohio. So, I can't remember who won there last year. I'm going to quickly look at this track because... Uh, I, I thought this was an oval last year. It might be. Uh, it is certainly not an oval. No, I don't remember this. I don't remember this track either. Uh, I'm going to quickly check who won this race last year. Because I do not remember it in the slightest. Hmm, Which is... Uh, I mean, if you had to guess who won it... Uh, I have the results here, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, I've just seen. Yeah, I don't remember McLaughlin. I don't remember this race at all next year. McLaughlin, Polo, Power, who uh, Renus VK, I'm guessing. Uh, Scott Dixon, Harrison. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't remember this. Wow, Castro Nevis, top 10. Yeah, I definitely don't remember this. Simon yeah, Pagano, top 10. Yeah, this must have been a race that I was uh, away or something. Was this... Oh, I think of Oregon was the race where Lungar was running really well and he ended up hitting one of the advertising boards. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, otherwise I'm genuinely lost. Anyway, it should be a fun spectacle though. But 
Yep, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. I've been Graham. I have been Mr. Road this week. <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, we shall see you next week.